all friends. I Adam And welcome to the Four Color Nerds Comic Podcast. I'm Carissa, and I'm joined by the other nerds. Matt? Hi. Christina? Hello. And Ryan? Hello. Together, we take on the week's comics. Each week, we read a variety of comics and gather here to discuss them. This is a review show, so there will be spoilers. If you don't want to hear spoilers, take a break now. Go read your week's books and then come on back. Each week, one of us picks their favorite book of the week, and that's our pick of the week. This week, I am that nerd, and this week, the pick goes to Groot number six. No surprise there for anyone who knows me. So, let's see. Pick of the week, Group number six. Marvel Comics, written by Jeffrey Loveness, and you know I put your names, everyone, and art by Brian Kissinger. Okay, so... I was surprised that this was going to be my, well, kind of surprised that this was my pick of the week. Um, I love Groot, so that's no surprise. But, you know, generally the series has been very, it's been cutesy and like, but kind of lackluster. I, I, I liked it, but not loved it. But this one I really felt had like a sort of span service. You see um, Groot and Rocket come on, come into Earth and you find out that they have a list because Rocket asks Groot, what do you want to do? And so there's this list of, like, go see Star-Lord's uh, music, and they go see, like, a band, and they don't like it. <laughs> a really and old it was, band. Was, yeah, a really old band. <laughs> and then it was like, well, then Carol's suggestion was to see movies, so they're hanging up at Carol's pad. And that, by far, was my favorite, because they made a little Star Wars reference, so Groot was Star Wars, I was the most happiest girl ever. And I they know. had, like, this kind of like conversation about... Which one's hot and which one's chewy, and it was adorable. When I was reading through my week's books and I got to that panel, I knew instantly that that was your pick of the week. Groot <laughs> talking about Star Wars and not knowing how to eat a pizza. Exactly. That was juicy. He had the whole pizza. And he's like, nom nom. I'm like, I love this so much. Yeah. And so, so the yeah, the awesomeness of that shot with them watching Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Somebody, somebody has immediately turned around and made that into a t-shirt. <gasps> really? Oh, yes. It's so cute. Like they read, they drew their own picture, yeah. but it's it's Groot and Rocket oh. as Han and well as, as Chewie and Han. Gentle listeners, I do accept Christmas presents. I will wear that shirt. <laughs> it's on T Turtle. Yeah. And so, yeah, they go through this list, and then it shows them partying with the X Men, and you get a little hint of. Uh, uh, dialogue from Groot that isn't I am Groot because he's with Jean and she can read his mind and it goes on to the story about him on it's Planet X right if I get my yes. trivia backwards yeah okay him on Planet X with the other Groots and how he saves a little girl named Hannah and how I guess like he's trying to find her and so and it's just it's really cute and touching and there's fan service to all the fans and I just I just it was adorable and I loved it <laughs> And it was just so sweet and cute. So that's why it was my pick of the week. It just it had all the right notes. It hit all the right things for me. And I thought, like I said, I mean, it was a total fan service. You know, so I'm not saying it's like great feats of writing, but no, I, I, I think it, there were really good, really good writing in the book. 
Um, I thought it, you know, it had humor in it in the beginning, you know, with their list of things to do. And like each one of them was really funny in its own, its own way. But then you got, you know, the really poignant and sad parts of the book too. So, I mean, there's all kinds of balancing acts going on in the book, you know, it was ridiculously heartfelt. Yes. And then at the end, yeah. All the, all the feels, all the feels. Yes. And then the rock is saying, I swear to Groot. I'm like, I need to make that a thing. I have to use that. <laughs> yes, like I, re- I really liked it. I was, I was surprisingly liked it. Yeah, and like I, I said, I, I, read, the, I read the, the book where Groot sacrifices, quote unquote, sacrifices himself that they ripped off for the movie. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought that that was just like the most like group movie. Yeah. Or uh, scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but this book, it got you a little. Bit and I love the Gene thing. Yeah, yes. no, that was really great. I mean, like I said, like, there was it just kept consistently having really good points, and like, yeah, the end was all feels. And so I'm like, I, I was surprised. I was I wasn't going into thinking this was going to be my pick of the week. I mean, I I love group, but I just didn't think it was going to impress me because all like, well, like I said before, like all the others in the series so far had been okay. They just hadn't like blown me away. <laughs> You know, we've talked about kind of the Disneyfication of like uh, Rocket Raccoon and Groot a little bit in the art style. Mm-hmm. But there's there's a scene in here where you first see that little girl like floating in the pod with her little stuffed animal. That's mm-hmm. like a total image from like a Disney movie, and it works perfectly. For yep. Her. Yeah, the artwork did not bother me this time. For some reason, the way that it was laid out with the story, it really worked. And I yeah, that was very Stitch, like you know, esque to me, Lilo and Stitch. Yes. Mm-hmm. I love this scene with the X Men. Disney could get their hands on it. Yeah, the X Men panel was like one of my favorites. I thought that was great. I love seeing all of them together, and I thought the color the color in that one was great. It was fun. Nobody parties like the X Men. Exactly. I liked it. uh, They were trying to give him some like, no, go hang out with uh, Iron Man because he knows how to party, but nobody knows how to party like the X Men. (laughs) And did you see like the? um... Oh, I can't tell if that's. Wolverine in ice or in the metal from his uh, I didn't catch that. It'd be him in adamantium. Yeah, when he got uh, you know, at the end of uh, Death of Wolverine where he got covered in the adamantium. I think that's him. I think that's just a statue of him hanging out with them. Yeah, it's ice. There's Iceman there. I think maybe he iced a creation. Could be. Either way, Wolverine's there still in loving memory. There you go. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. The book was the book was probably there. He's just a girl. Yeah, it was so cute. <laughs> Very cute. And normally well, I'm not a big fan of cute, but this worked uh, in every way. And moving on from the opposite of that, let's go to <laughs> Ryan. I believe you had one for us. Yes, uh, total uh, opposite uh, of this book, like you said, uh, Dark Knight Three: The Master Race Number One um, from DC Comics. Written by Frank Miller uh, and Brian Azzarello, uh, art by Andy Kubert. Um, this book um, is—it's really—it's—it's it's kind of dense. Um, I feel like you really have to have read um, the other the other books to really get um, the other Dark Knight books to really get the full story that's going on here because we don't really pause to explain a lot. But the basic story that we're getting is. Um, Batman has returned, um, and there are uh, someone's taken like a picture from like a cell phone of him fighting a bunch of uh, cops. Um, and I tell you, nobody lands on the the hood of a car like Batman. 
<laughs> There's a couple shots where they have well, landing on the hood of a car, uh, and it's it's awesome. <laughs> people in Batman's costume. Yes. Well, I was getting there <laughs> to their big reveal. Spoiler alert. I, I guess I really should we have did the opening of the yeah, show. I should have listened to my own <laughs> our own warnings. Um, there's also um, you've got other characters in here. You've got uh, Wonder Woman um, in the uh, Amazon uh, fighting the Minotaur, um, and she's basically talking about how you know they're they're heroes and they save people over and over again. Um, I actually really thought that was a cool bit of writing. That um, when she talks, she sounds like she's from like a Greek myth. Like she doesn't just say like a lot. She's like a hundred hundred, which is like, you know, ancient Greek uh, way of speaking for saying a lot. Um, and it, she kind of talks about how everyone you know calls them heroes, but eventually they turn on them, and this happens over and over and over again. Um, but they still keep doing it. Um, and then you get a scene um, that I think is the kind of the key to understanding the book, um, where the new Supergirl goes to the Fortress of Solitude uh, and sees Superman in this, uh, like, sitting on his chair, uh, like, frozen in ice. Um, and there's a line in there um, where she says, um, why did you let the ants knock you from the sky? And I think that's going to be uh, a big theme here in uh, the Master Race, that you're going to see um, the ideas of what what you do with power. Like, do you let these people who are less than you influence your decisions? Or do you kind of seize the, the moral imperative to yourself? Um, then sort of the plot advances, and we see Batman again. Batman uh, gets the living crap beat out of him by a bunch of cops. Um, and then it's revealed that that is not Bruce Wayne, uh, that that is, in fact, Robin, uh, and she claims that Bruce is dead. Uh, whether that's true or not, uh, I, I will wait and see. Um, but uh, that was a, a, nice, uh, a nice scene there. And then you get another little mini-comic kind of in the back um, about the Atom, uh, where Supergirl brings the, what, he, what she found in the Fortress of Solitude, which is the, the city of Kandor, um, and they... They want to be freed, which I guess is why they're coming to the Atom to, to make them larger. So, um, Matt, you and I were talking a little bit about what, like, the master race in here here means. Um, you had mentioned, uh, I mean, obviously they're talking about uh, Kandor, but I think they're also the whole idea of what, what it means to be a hero. Um, that what, what having power uh, means. We're talking a little bit about, like... Um, Nietzsche, uh, basically. So, right. <laughs> to the idea um, with like nihilism and uh, Nietzsche's reaction to it is like in a universe with no god, um, how do you have like an absolute right and wrong? There can't be an absolute. So nihilism is one one reaction to that universe um, or that reality that there is no absolute right or wrong. So that that makes everything pointless that there is no 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 objective truth to it all uh, yeah but we don't need to worry about them they're nihilists yeah. <laughs> and then what nietzsche uh says is that the idea of the the ubermensch the the superman um which i mean superman it was written when this would have been uh an idea much more in common uh ideology 
you know, like it would have been something that everyone had heard of. It was like a new revolutionary idea. Um, so the idea is that without a God to define right and wrong, that what makes someone the Superman is the ability to define right and wrong for themselves, not to kind of accept the morality that the their world, their like society or religion has told them what's right and wrong, that they decide for themselves and then act from there. Um, there's been a lot of like criticism of uh, Frank Miller for kind of having like a, a fascist uh, bent to some of his writing, which I mean, Nietzsche has been taken um, by fascists as part of their idea or corrupted into some of their ideas. I guess you might say if you were more, fascist, if you were less critical hating, of it. Bad. So I think this book is going to be. All these things. Yeah, I think this is going to be an examination of what what power means. Um, that if you're going to unleash the you know Candor and the Kryptonians on the world, are they what are they going to do? You know, are they going to try and take over the world? Are they going to try and save it? Um, are they going to be pushed to something by lesser men afraid of them? I, I'm not sure what's going to happen here, but I, I really want to see this story play out. Um, Kevin Smith and. Uh... Mark Bernardin actually covered this on this week's um, Batman and Batman. Oh, okay. I haven't listened to that. I've, I've actually tried to avoid any Batman on Batman or other comic podcasts I listen to, so I can... I just listened to it today. Ah. Oh, well, uh, let's talk about <laughs> they, it. Much it was mostly them talking about uh, Alias, or, sorry, Jessica Jones. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, it was, it, they covered this because, you know, Batman... Right, <laughs> um, but but they they went into it in kind of the same details you've went gone into. Uh, I thought it was surprisingly good. I didn't like the second one. I couldn't get through it. I think the second <clears throat> one was probably the weak weaker of the three so far. Yeah, I mean the. <sighs> I understand he's dying and he's got cancer, but Jesus, can somebody else just draw the whole thing? <laughs> you didn't like the art. I can't. No, I couldn't stand the like pictures that he did of, of superman are you talking about like this miller did this one? picture of superman towards the end are you talking about on the like cover in between of the, the uh i guess it was the cover of the adam thing yeah that that one isn't so great but yeah that was frank miller all the other covers were awesome except for anything miller drew he's just i've never really thought he was all that great but he's just not getting better with age I don't. I, and he he seems to hate life. <laughs> he's just a he's a horrible, bitter man. Well, I think his worldview tells you the world is a horrible, bitter place. Mm-hmm. You know that. But so does Alan Moore's. You're telling but, me Alan Moore isn't a horrible, bitter man? Oh God! <laughs> but his writing, <laughs> I mean, his writing doesn't show it as much as as Frank Miller's does. True. I mean, there's a line at the beginning of the book um, that says, what is it, a good death? There's no such thing. Um, so I think that, you know, when we're talking about, and that shows you, so it says, you know, uh, a good death, there's no such thing. And that's an image of, like, the, the bat suit. But I don't think there's anyone in it. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see how they take this one, because they actually, I mean, they, oh, I, they okay, wait, never story mind. A few years ago. I don't know how I missed this. Um, so the first panel is, it says, a good death, there's no such thing, and you see, like, the bat suit with basically no one in it. It's in, like, a, yeah. 
a bottle and then someone breaks it. And that's obviously now, I don't know how I missed this, Robin going and getting the bat suit um, after Bruce Wayne's death or supposed death. It's not like uh, Bruce Wayne has not faked his death many, many times. And we haven't seen a body. True. So we'll, we'll see as it plays out. But I think that the book, um, I, re- I really like the art in it. Uh, I'm not such a big fan, and I wasn't a big fan in the beginning in the first couple books where they have like all their like street slang and this one it's people texting. Oh, that irritated I don't, me. I didn't like that either. I don't like that. I didn't like it in the 80s one, you know, in the, the original one where they were trying to do, um, you know, their like punk. I don't know what they were trying to do in that, but I, that was my least favorite part of this. Um, that was like 1980s view of cyberpunk as seen through the horrible filter of Frank Miller's brain. Like, I think you can use texts um, and even text speak to tell a story well. Like, if you um, uh, read, uh, like, No Mercy um, from Image, they do a lot of that. But those are teenagers, and the people who are writing know how to actually use that voice. Mm-hmm. This one, to me, seems like, you know, if my, you know, grandfather <laughs> was tell- writing, trying to write about people texting, you know. It just doesn't sound authentic. Um, that's my really my only criticism of the book. I don't you, like that. You hip kids, you. That yeah. part did bother me. I, I did see that before my my thing had technical difficulties. I was like, "What is that? That's annoying. Stop that." Yeah, I mean it does. And then they also have like the panels, which I don't mind as much of all the people on TV talking about uh, what's going on. I mean that's classic. Um, you know, Frank Miller Dark or Dark Knight or Watchmen or any of those things where you have, like, the reaction of people. Um, and I, I didn't mind that as much as a storytelling. They were, so on those, that panel where it has all the newscasters, do you know, it's like, you ever wonder sometimes when they're drawing if they use, like, references? Because that one looked like Jon Stewart with his hands up in the air and he had the gray hair. I'm like, yeah, and I think you know, the Daily Show screenshot? But there's an that O'Brien. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The O'Brien looks like Bill O'Reilly. That's, that's, I mean, that's definitely who that's supposed to be. I think that's yeah. who both of those are supposed to be. Yeah. And I and think the other one is like a morning show. Like I don't, I don't watch enough morning shows. It's um, no. it's the uh, Mike and Kelly. Mm, okay. And I think is it is the other guy Al Sharpton, in the one who's by himself, who's like yelling. The cops got their guns out. He's in a couple. I think that's supposed to be Al Sharpton. I, I don't know. I don't, who I don't know who the blonde one is. Yeah, I was watching it. I was like, "Oh, yeah, that's who I think that is." <laughs> yeah, but I mean, this this one was, uh, like you said, the the tonal opposite of Groot. Um, it's dark. Um, it's it's not hopeless. a happy world. It's not hopeless. I mean, you still have hope some, is frozen in ice. But you still have Wonder Woman out there doing her thing, you know. <clears throat> so it isn't it isn't completely hopeless, even when, which the idea. Again, getting back back to philosophy talk. Mm-hmm. The idea of the Superman doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to come to a conclusion that is selfish or cruel or mean. You may come to a conclusion that, you know, mercy and kindness are the way to go. But you come to them through your own reasoning, not the not being told that it's correct. Um, so if the book was just things are totally hopeless and everyone's given up um that i wouldn't that wouldn't be interesting to me but there are there are opposing sides to what is going to be i think the argument of the book of what do you do with power wonder woman chooses to go out and save people 
people who don't deserve it and don't appreciate it, you know? Which I was thinking about the fact that she's a god and that she is show that she's kind of the ideal of grace, that it's it's unearned. Um and that was kind of what I thought of her uh, as a god going out and rescuing people in the world and saving them. And then you have kind of the opposite of like the new Batman or old Robin, I guess, depending on your point of view of who they are, um, view where the world is, is dark and horrible and needs to be beaten into like a bloody pulp, you know? And then you've got, so I think the, the people of Candor are going to be like torn between these two decisions and have to decide what they're going to do with their power. So I'm looking forward to it. I, I really enjoyed this. I'm also really curious as to how the hell and why Superman's frozen in ice. Did he do it to himself? Did somebody else do it to him? That I, I don't – it seems to me I would not believe that someone else could do it to him. So he must have done it to himself for some reason. That was my thought. Um, that either he's too powerful for the world to accept, um, so he has to kind of put himself away, or you know, I, I don't know. Who else? Especially because he's frozen in ice. To me, that kind of brings up the idea of like the ice breath. To me, like that he just like breathe that out around him, mm. uh, or just open the door. True. I mean, the door's already open. True. So I, I don't know what happened to Superman. There's there's lots of questions in here that I want to have answered. Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So speaking of what to do with power, that you when you when you finally find yourself with it. Our next book goes to Matt. Yeah, uh, mine, her first book was Switch Number 2 from Image Comics, uh, written by Stephen Sijic. Art by Stephen Sijic. Uh, we read and reviewed the first book. Um, so we'll switch issue number one, which is why I did number two, because number one was really good. Uh, this one continues on the same story. Um, it's kind of like the aftermath of the big fight that we see in issue number one. Um, where the new Witchblade is, is basically she gets her powers in the middle of this fight while trying to protect her her little brother. Um, this is, uh, you know, days later after everybody's kind of woken up and she's been in the hospital and they're trying to figure out like what exactly happened and she's kind of a little bit of a, a freak and an urban legend. Um, but, the you know, even with all that going on and her being human and all of her normal stuff, uh, then the the weird witchy stuff is all happening in the background too. Um, you know, Stephen Sajic's beautiful, beautiful art. Um, interesting story. Uh, I could have sworn that that one cop that talks to her—that's the original Witchblade, isn't it? That's the well, that's the last Witchblade. Yeah, or I'm going to say original. The original original series. Witchblade. Yes. Yeah, the original series. The uh, inexplicably undressed Witchblade. Yes. I thought the same thing, too. I wasn't sure. But I'm like, that's it. wasn't she a cop? And didn't she look like that? I was actually going to ask you, Matt, if that's who it was. And as soon as you said it, I'm like, ah, it must be. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm wondering if they're going to have her kind of... And, and when the book started out, they said he was going to pull in from other... from, like, the darkness and the Witchblade and all that. And also references from just stuff that's not related to them. Um, so I'm wondering if they're going to have her kind of come and be uh, like a role model or not a role model, but like train the new uh, Witchblade. 
what it reminds me well i don't know if she ever was the witchblade in this in this tale i don't think so this thing i don't know if this is a reboot or not i i'm not sure because like um it kind of reminds me of like in um 1602 where you have characters like in that book like their version of like peter parker never gets bit by the spider but he's still like a hero because he's still the same person but even like there's like a last in the back of that issue. There's like a cover with her and like all the other different witchblades. Is I love that. Isn't isn't the cop chick in that drawing? Let me look. I didn't see her. I didn't oh. see her. But let me. Look. Yeah, but the, the thing is, her the boy that was her friend, mm-hmm. but won't talk to her anymore. That the oh, uh, what's her face? Is her trying to protect him and grow up? It's the darkness. The, the right? one that's supposed to be the darkness. Yeah, the darkness. He's the son of the last darkness. Like they've they've even named the other character, so I don't see why they wouldn't have um, Sarah be the previous witchblade. She might not be in that because she might not because she's not dead, you know. I don't know what the rules are on the witchblade. Don't know. I don't remember if they said it, and I I couldn't stand the old book because the drawing was crap. I don't I don't like when you have female characters that are not dressed for the role that they should be in. You know, like if you've a got, cop like if you've got, nothing yeah, except for this weird Like armor. a cop or a warrior or something like that, they should have some armor. You know, like there's a, there's a, there's a place for, you know, scantily clad uh, women. You know, I'm not, I'm not opposed to that, but it needs to be, they're not stupid. They're heroic. You know, they're not, I, I don't, I, that is what made me not like. Uh, Witchblade. Maybe I should have just gotten past it and read it, and it would have been awesome. But well, that's one of the things I like about this is so far everybody's fully clothed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a big plus to me. Yeah, the um, but it's just one of the things I didn't like about the other stuff is it. You either I mean you had the Witchblade book, and there was her, and she somehow lost all of her clothing except for the blade. Um, or there was the darkness, and it was this. Uh, uh, what's the right word? Uh, oh, when it's just dudes and hating well on the women's and jingoistic misogynist. Yeah, he's a misogynist. Yeah. It, hating on the women's wasn't the right word. <laughs> he was a bit of a jingoistic jerk. Um, he was a mobster, uh, a womanizer. Um, so he would use the darkness powers to like create things in the shape of women mm. and they were scantily clad because it was all these like 20 something comic book artists that made it rich in the nineties mm. from Marvel. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the brotherhood of Liefeld, these weren't Liefeld books, but they were like kind of that whole, uh, well, I think it was like metal, they were really kinda, trying to separate themselves girls. from Marvel, you know, like doing things different and, you know, extreme. Like, <laughs> you know, that's the... Do what I want, man. Yeah, you've got your Mountain Dew and your Doritos <laughs> and your comic books and with naked chicks extreme. and lots of belt pouches. That's the 90s. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. Boobs, belt pouches, and weird impossible back bends. <laughs> well, my favorite part of this particular issue was when she's talking with her friends in school after everyone's like asking her about rumors and her friend's like 
talking and she's like, nope, nope. And she's like trying to make, she makes like the ancient aliens reference. I think it was doing Hinanaki. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know, I just made me chuckle. I'm like, oh, that's so cute. No. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was, uh, some of the interactions were, were kind of cute. Um, I really liked the uh, the part with her brother um, where he's like, you turned into you're knives. Yeah, you're a yeah. monster. I didn't mean it. Yeah. And then they have that image where you can actually see her um, as the, the witch blade uh, mm-hmm. when she's on top of that angel from the last one. That's yeah. a pretty awesome uh, image. Where's the... It's the... It's like the, the video camera dark, footage. Yeah. Which yeah. blade person? Mm-hmm. So it's like pick, almost a little pixelated in spots. It looks it, that is probably my favorite image in the book. Even though the ones in the end are really good too. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. And uh, that that cover that you mentioned at the end, Carissa, that looks that promises to me so many cool things. Like I like the idea of former witch blades uh, showing her things and teaching her. You know, I think that's that's a cool idea, especially yeah. because they're all different and have different opinions about how you should do things. That's kind of cool. Like, no, use all the force. No, no, no. Make a blade. Yeah. I like I, I used a spear all my life. Yeah. Yeah. You only yeah. need one shot. <laughs> I like the, uh, the cave woman. Her advice yeah. just shows a bone, a bone that she's breaking. Bone. Yeah. <laughs> so. That was kind of cool. <laughs> so I'm, I'm really looking forward to that part of the story. And speaking of cave people, <laughs> I believe that was a nice transition for Christina. <laughs> <laughs> so my pick is Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur number one, Marvel Comics, written by Amy Reader and Brandon Montclair, art by Natasha Bustos. Um, I have an unnatural love for devil dinosaur, which only came from planet Hulk. Um, I just want to hug him and squeeze him and call him <laughs> George. I don't know why. I just, I love him. He's big and red, which says a lot. Cause I married a redhead. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> we get to meet our, our main character who is Lunella, um, moon girl, Lunella, Luna. Yeah. Uh, she is mm-hmm. super nerdy, super scientific. She likes to build things. Really, really smart, intelligent girl. I love looking at her room because you see there's a poster of Neil deGrasse Tyson on it. Which yeah, is yes. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, aw. And she has a Godzilla, which which is also pretty awesome as well. Um, so she's not, I mean, she's super smart, but she hate, kind of seems like she kind of hates school. She's probably really bored with it. All she wants to do is create gadgets. In her room, we also see there's like a bunch of rejections for obviously things that she's created that people just know, just don't want. Um, she's working on her creation, which is the Cree detector. And uh, she goes out one night and is uh, using her creation. And it actually seems to be working. And she finds a glowing orb and picks it up. And then we get a flashback. And then we go to basically prehistoric times where we have dinosaurs. During that flashback, yeah, is that the Terrigen mist that's around her? While um, she, she there's a there's a reference to Terrigen mists in the um in what do you do you remember the panel that has all the articles? Yeah, there's a reference to it. I it may be because it is I that remember- kind of like. 
Go ahead. Oh, I'm damn well betting it's the Terrigen. It probably is. What I read in the, the like the teaser for it, it said that she was an inhuman. So I wasn't sure if this, if her being super smart is one of her powers, or if that's uh, she's already, you know, yeah, Tony Stark she, level genius. You know, she thinks yeah. that's what her power is is her her intelligence. I mean, she actually it's I, the inhumaning. Yeah, she of thinks, the Marvel universe. Yeah. Yep. She's yeah, not a mutant. She's in she, yeah. yeah, but this is the first time that they replaced somebody by killing the original character. What? That was my I, that was they, my reveal. You stole uh, it from me. Sorry. <laughs> You're just taking everyone's reveals. God. She's gonna <laughs> stick her big red dinosaur on you. I seriously. So yeah, we we find out that uh, that Moon Boy Moon Boy died. He um, died. Yeah, he died holding a glowing orb that actually, and it, it doesn't really say, it It looks like it dissipates, but does anyone else think it could be inside him? Like, what happened to it? It just kind of like, he was clutching it, and then it kind of disappears. I think it transported through time and space. Time, yeah. yeah. So well, I there, don't know. There is like that like portal thing, so it may... Like the portal kind of thing op- opened, you kind of kind of see a little portal opening, um, but yeah, yeah, I'm not sure what, what happened to him, but no, but yes, he dies. <laughs> so oh, it pisses me off. <laughs> Avenge Moon Boy. Yeah. yeah. Yes, that was the best. I I love that. I'm sorry. That was so sweet. He's like Avenge. Avenges him. Avenge me, boy. Sad. Um, so we go back into like current time, and she's now got her glowing orb in her backpack. And the, I thought the, her face is so cute, where she's like so freaking happy that she's like, "I got something. None of you guys have this. It's Why mine." Why are gym teachers in every universe such assholes? I don't know. <laughs> I'm just trying to figure it out because that is like getting somebody called on your ass. Yeah, that is harassment. He's a jerk. I mean, really, like, is that yours? Did did you bring that from home in your backpack? She just grabs it. Yeah, and like, starts would... messing with it. I know. Like, are you 12, sir? I know. Yeah. I mean, I know yeah. he's wearing, you know, shorts and, you know, high socks like all gym teachers, but what an asshole. It's, it's the very typical what you think of a gym teacher. It's, yeah. It's dude. like a bully from, like, an 80s movie, you know? Yeah. It totally yeah. is. Yeah, so that basically... Oh, Bill Paxton. <laughs> it's like Chet. Yes! Yes. Winner. So, we come back into modern times, and the D-bag of a, a gym teacher, I guess he almost kind of <laughs> activated it, because he spinned it, and yeah. so it becomes, it starts the whirring, and it opens up the portal, and then we get to see the devil dinosaur, which makes me so happy because I love him. <laughs> I wonder, I just thought of this. What if it's not the gym teacher spinning it that sets it off, but it's the fact that she's upset. So devil dinosaur shows up to. Could be. To protect. That that's what if her, like, her power is tied in with the Kree. Yeah. Who are responsible for the Inhumans. So now, I don't know. Who knows? Either he set it off or she set it off. But Yeah. yeah. Or yeah. just the fact that it was being touched and jiggled around or whatever yeah getting jiggy with it 
or that he or that moon boy died and it was jumping to the next you know person could be activated I was also curious as to whether or not they're trying to say that it's time travel or if it's a dimensional portal thing because he's not from the past. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. They do, they do say in the, in the panel where they go back to when, when Moon Boy dies, um, they, say it, they say it just says the Valley of Flame ages ago. They don't mm-hmm. say how long or where. It just says ages ago. I mean, I could see Marvel retconning things. But he, he's from an alternate Earth. Yeah. Hmm. Suppose time and Earth space. 78, That's what I said. Time and space. Yeah. <laughs> I do I really... Time and space. I do really like the, uh, the dinosaur with the flaming eyes. That is mm-hmm. really cool. So. I love him. I, I love... Yeah, I don't know why. I love giant dinosaurs. I'm not, like not going to lie. The character design <laughs> on, that, on the, the girl, on Lunella, is so adorable. Oh, mm-hmm. totally. Yes. Like, <laughs> they studied, like, every, like, little nerd child <laughs> and mm-hmm. channeled them into, you know, into this. Like, if I knew these kids, you know, these were my friends. I totally identify with her. You know? And I, I think it's super cute at the end where the dinosaur picks her up and takes her on a walk. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah yep i really like this i don't know how long it's gonna last i don't know I either really, i really like that. uh they're probably trying for that same kind of feel that you get off of miss marvel and i don't know that it has that magic um yeah i don't i don't know i mean because they're trying to i don't know I, I hope it goes a long time they might keep it around and don't take this anybody wrong they make beauty around just because she's a female character. Maybe. I mean, she's a new female character. Like, when they introduce characters, I think that they, they used to be afraid that there wouldn't be a market for them. But I think you're finding that there is – people want to read books about people that look like them, you know? Yeah. And, and no, that, another but, thing about – I mean, they kind of wins you some cred with Marvel right now. Yeah, but this is also is a book that's appropriate for kids, too. So far. So far, Except yeah. the death. I mean, the death, but it's not like you're seeing it's everything happen. It's not bloody, though. No, yeah. it's not. So, I mean, like, so I would say, like, a maybe 12, 13-year-old, this this would probably be really relatable to them. I think if your kids can handle Indiana Jones, they can handle this. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, my daughters haven't seen Indiana Jones. What? What? My, my wife thinks that it will give them nightmares. <laughs> uh, I w- it might. I w- I, the, the, it will uh, the at the end of uh, Raiders of the Park. The face melting? Yeah, the face melting. Oh, yeah. When I still, first still saw melting. Temple of Doom, um, I did have nightmares. But I, I saw that when I was like six or seven, My I think, when it came out. My cousin saw Goon- er, Gremlins had to get therapy. Really? Oh. Yeah. Gremlins is scary when you're a little kid. Gremlins will fuck with you. It was like, when I saw it, it was the most violent movie I had ever seen. Like, looking back on it now, it's, it's nothing. Of course, you, know, you look back on a lot of things. Like, well, it's part of what created the PG-13. Like, Dark Crystal, them Skeksis be scared. Yeah, oh, that one. And the little crab oh, yeah, that- things, those crab fire things scared the bejesus out of me. Yeah. Yeah. But I love that one back for more. Yeah. I don't think there are very many movies anymore that are scary for kids. No. In, in that way. That's kind of gone away. 
you know, it's either inappropriately scary for them, like a horror movie with like, you know, blood and guts, or it's funny. It's not scary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or they're so dark and jaded now that it doesn't matter. Kids that these days. Yes. <laughs> Back in my day. <laughs> All right, so I guess moving on. Pepper snappers. Yeah, moving on. My next pick was Saga number 31 by Image Comics. Written by Brian K. Vaughn and art by Fiona Staples. I love Saga. I'm sorry. This, but this issue was um, a little slow, I think, in the scheme of the story. It had a, a little bit going for it, so... We're there, and we're watching um, with Hazel in school. And, um, you know, she's different from the kids. You know, that, the opening panel of, like, this destruction and kids from a war-torn, you know, world. That, that was so sad to me. All the kids drawing their, in their little art therapy class, drawing all their, the yeah. horrible things that have happened to them. Oh, God, I translated her. the one kid that was in Esperanza. Isn't oh, fuck. That was sad. Like, I can't oh. tell exactly. My what... mom. I want my mom. Oh, yeah. oh. Like, oh my God, you fucking bastard. <laughs> Is it in Esperanto? Because it seems like it's a mix of like German and Latin to me. It's it's Esperanto. Yeah. I, I had Google, uh, Google do the translate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I figured that was basically what it was, you know. Well, I thought at first it was Spanish, and I'm like, well, that didn't work. It looks Portuguese. like Spanish. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So yeah, and so yeah, there's that's very sad. It showed that she you know, didn't relate to it the same way. But so so then the teacher you know gives her a book and is trying to encourage <laughs> her to come out. Tootie Stinkfoot is her drawing. <laughs> yeah, Tootie Stinkfoot. <laughs> You've obviously never met him. Yes, you know, it makes me sad how much he stinks. <laughs> it's like I love Hazel. <laughs> yes. But um. So I don't. I mean. I guess it, to me, it felt really slow, and I was kind of bummed. Yeah, I understand there's always issues that are like that. I mean, the big reveal, I mean, there is the full frontal panel that you see mm-hmm. <laughs> in the reveal in the bathroom. It's like, oh, yep. well, that's a thing. And... Not that first nudity in Saga, by far. But... No. No, it's no. Not. no. But I was just like, okay, there's that. And, like, um, the end when she's like, oh, you know, she revealed her mom gave her that book and all that. And you, she's like, you know, the big kind of like reveal that, you know, an innocent child would do thinking that it would help. And it just made it bad. Oh, it's just that part I thought was pretty sad. I'm like, oh, I saw that coming <laughs> in a way. Yeah, I knew it wasn't going to turn out well. Yeah. You know, because like her existence, it's even people who are nice and supportive, like her, her existence is world shattering. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I think we kind of forget that the the people who are after her, that they're they're trying to protect their entire way of life. Whether you right. agree with that way of life or not, she she changes the entire world, you know. So I didn't have a chance, even though I had four days off <laughs> to get caught up on this. It's a lot to get. I it was have not a, absolutely no idea what the fuck is going on. It was on. not a good issue for so, you to jump in for someone no. who hadn't read it. That's See, thing, when I keep saying it was slow, it was really not a good point for you to jump in. I was thinking about this today. You know how everybody always complains, oh, it's so hard to get into comics, where do I just dive in, something like that. They're not 
and they probably think that they are talking about this, but you can jump into a Superman story. Yes. Because you wait one issue, maybe two, and it's it, you're good. You've got it picked up. There's not much to it. You come in on fucking Saga number 31. I'm like, well, what the fuck is it? Is, it's like its namesake. It's a saga. Yes. It is long yes. going, and so... It lives up to that, and so yeah, and and I think it's like I was telling you before, it jumps time periods in the yes. storytelling. So like chunks of time you skip ahead in their lives. So mm-hmm. if you don't know that, you're gonna get lost. All right. So I, I read the first one. Right. Mm-hmm. The first and issue I read this or the one. first trade. The first issue of Saga. Okay. Yeah. And and I read this one. Did are her parents dead? Missing. So the are, are these the saga like satyrs and fairies? So there's there's wings like and horns. I think they call them. Like mm-hmm. I don't know. There's probably actual TVs. names. Yes. <laughs> Doctor uh, Space Robot. Not Doctor Space Robot, but uh, Prince. Prince. Uh, Prince Robot. Prince Robot the fourth. I think. Fourth. I think he's the fourth. Yeah. So those are the three main races that are that are in here. Um, saga is weird. You will see drawings of things yeah, you, you have never seen before. Um, yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, and have that them signed. Yes. Every issue of Saga has at least one panel to me that is beautiful and disturbing and totally unique. Um, you know, it's Fiona Staples is, is an incredible, incredible artist. But the story, so you've got this romance novel that... Uh, you know, it has like a deeper, like hidden meaning to it um, that basically inspires her parents to uh, leave the war that their two races are fighting um, and run away together. And they have Hazel, um, who's, a, you know, a crossbreed. Precocious little scamp. Yes. Super adorable. Well, in the beginning, she's not because she's just a baby. Baby. You know? Yeah. Yep. And the uh, and the torso ghost pink ghost chick um, ends up being like her ghost guardian. She's like her ghost. So that is a ghost. Yes. Yeah. I didn't know if it was yeah. some sort of weird alien. But she's no, um. She was killed on uh, one of the planets that they were they were on, and she was was she melded to like their wooden rocket ship they had. No, she, no, I think no, I think she's like um, somehow psychically or somehow connected and linked now to to Hazel. So there's even my explanation for it, trying to make it make sense, sounds fucking crazy. <laughs> is it supposed to be fantasy in space? Um, I think it's high. I think it's sci-fi. Yeah. There, I mean, there are there are dragons. Um, there are um, Lying adorable cats. talking seal men. Like I love. <laughs> oh Gus. I love him. I love Gus. Um, but. Uh, so there are things I think you might think of as fantastical, but they're not presented as fantasy. Like the uh, the ones with the horns, they have magic, um, but they're, they're and, you know. Okay, so um, what is your case you're trying to make? Here? My case I'm trying to make is <laughs> it's not fantasy, fantastical but these guys have magic. It's like its, its own it's, thing. It's, it's yes, fantasy it might and be magic, but it's not set myth. in the past. You know. Well, I guess. That's why I said fantasy in sci-fi. In the same way that Star Wars... It's like fantasy in space. Fantasy. Is, is that fantasy or is that sci-fi? It's kind of both. Star Wars? Yes. I hate that argument. Well, I mean, is the Force magic or not magic? I mean, 
Well, it depends. If you want it to suck and be the prequels, it's not magic. Well, it's I a think space opera. Midichlorians. It's a, it's a saga. space opera. Space. It's a space opera. Yeah, and then everybody the argues that space opera is fantasy. But well, it's not. But then what's your definition of fantasy is the problem. And we could do a whole podcast, and maybe we should, <laughs> on fantasy. But that that's the problem is that you got to first define what fantasy is. And then you can have that conversation. I, I would say that this is both. I would yeah. say that this I, one I is think, both. Yeah, I would agree with Christina. I definitely think it's both. They definitely put a lot of time in world building, but it goes through a, a series of issues. It's not just one issue where it's established. It definitely builds as it's going. And you kind of are shown a little bit more of the world as it goes. See, I kind of... Well, I, I, would, I would say I disagree with Matt but he actually has the experience of having read Saga without having read the previous 30 issues. Like, I think you could read this uh, without having read the 30 issues because Hazel doesn't really know what happened in her past, you know? And it's not that it doesn't matter to the story, but this is this is self-contained. But the world itself, I guess, is confusing if you haven't read the previous issues. Yes. I just know that, that her, her the wing people... And the hoof people hate each other, and there's TV people. Yes. Yes. These are, yep. That's kind of all I know. And, and oh, and bug people and ghost people. Well, there's all kinds of alien and races. Yeah. Yeah. Horn people with. Like, there's that other lizard, stuff. or not lizard, that, that snake person whose head got bashed in in the beginning. Yeah. Suc- the succubus looking sure. lady kind of thing. Mm hmm. There's the spider drug dealer from the previous arc. There's. Yep. That I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> But I like I, said, I don't think for this arc you really need it. But I, I could see how the world would be a little confusing. But I think as far as story goes, I think this arc you can kind of run with. But your your mileage may vary on that. But I, I like um, I really think Brian K. Vaughn writes children really really well. Yeah, I think that is definitely his his Hazel was written very well. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That, that definitely comes through in a lot of his work. Yes. <laughs> when she goes into the the shower and sees the the nude scene, she's like, "You have dad bits." <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> she's like very confused, you know, yeah. but not, you know. I think, yeah, it's that was. Uh, I think that was probably the one of the big reveals for the the issue. So I don't know if that's going to be a, a major character now or, or what. Um, yeah. But I also thought there's a image of her like grandmother, like yelling at her. And that to me, like that strikes so true. Is that for, her grandmother? That's her grandmother. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cause I could have sworn at some point they called her the aunt. I think the aunt that they're talking about is the African-American lady that you see with like the prison gang. At least I assume they're a prison gang. I don't know. Um, she's one of the uh, the like, not separatists. What did they call them? The, the like the space terrorists, basically. Yeah, and plus the grandmother's always spinning stories for their cover story, so she could have started calling herself an aunt at some point. Yeah. Well, and little kids will do that. They'll take people who are not related to them, and they'll mm-hmm. they'll do that. You know. Yeah. But yeah, that poor bug lady got super shocked and passed out <laughs> and hit her head on a table. Um, like there's that, uh, panel with her looking at her with like her eyes, like super, super wide in shock. (laughs) I think is a good, good panel. 
And then yeah. when she's like lying there, like with all the blood around her and like <laughs> Hazel with her swear word. I love it. Oh, I love <laughs> that. that. Awesome. Oh, part. Yeah. Yes. Oh, part. <laughs> Which if you're like six, that's pretty serious. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I really liked this issue of Saga, but I guess if you haven't read Saga, go back and reread it and then come back to this one. Cause it's, it's still good. Yeah. You just need to get into the the story. One issue will not help. No. Yeah. And like and I said, does... I think it's more for understanding the world than the plot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Each jump is really separate. And since there's so many out in like collected collected editions, it's awesome because you can kind of plow through it all at once instead That's of wait issue by issue by issue. Yep. But uh, speaking of things, you. Uh, Maybe can jump into and maybe can't. Um, nope. I have one. Uh, Outcast number 13 from Image Comics, uh, written by Robert Kirkman, uh, art by Paul uh, Azaketa. So this is a new arc uh, in the story of Outcast, uh, which, like I said, uh, is written um, by Robert Kirkman, who writes The Walking Dead. Um, this has already been picked up by, by for a TV series. Um of course, I mean anything he writes, they're gonna they're gonna pick up and make into into a TV series. So it's basically the story of um, people being possessed, um, and this character can the main character um, can basically banish them, um, but he's learning how to do it. He doesn't know what it is he does necessarily that 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 banishes them from people. I wish they would pick Invincible up and make a TV show out of it. I think it's too well. I would say it's too far in because it's 120 issues. But yeah, Invincible is. Uh, yeah, Walking Dead. Yeah, but they didn't start when Walking Dead was 130 something issues in. Yeah. Okay, you said anything that he makes. I'm sure Invincible is in the works somehow if they can figure out how to do, uh, you know, whether they're going to do a movie or a TV show or whatever. But Invincible is one of the best superhero comics out there. So I actually haven't read Outcast, and then I picked this up and started reading it. I actually didn't notice who wrote it. And as I'm reading it, I'm like, this definitely has a Robert Kirkman feel. And then I go and flip back to the front. I'm like, oh, never mind. It was a good reason for that. Yeah. And I was going to disagree with you that this is one of those things where you can either jump into or out of. But then at the same point, it is because it's about possession. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So. This, the, the main character, um, like, as you can tell, like, and this issue is really violent. Um, really? Yeah. Yeah. The exorcisms yeah. are not easy. Um, and the first exorcism he performed was on his wife. Um, I mean, you saw oh, shit. I hope exorcism. it went better. No, it did not. So <laughs> the, the guy with the broken nose in the beginning, that's. Um, I exorcism. That's his sister's husband. He's a police officer. He's the one who found him basically doing the same thing to his wife. So he, you know, thinks that he's like this horrible, like, you know, like abusing, like wife beater. Um, His kids were taken away. Like his whole life has been ruined. Um, His mother was possessed by a a demon. Jesus fuck. Was a a horribly abusive uh, parent. So his, his life has all been. (laughs) Is he the outcast? Well, so there's. There's or is he outcasting the demons? That's a, kind of a double meaning for it. <laughs> so there's parts in it where they talk about how they need him. So I don't know what it is 
that's this this whole series is like a mystery. Like he doesn't know for a long time he doesn't know what it is that he does that gets rid of them. He just knows that they hate being around him. And at first he to be close. At first he thought it was like his blood because like yeah. in these exorcisms you can see how violent they are, right? That when he gets their blood on them they start screaming and they like spit out that like black cloud of stuff. Um, but it seems now to be that it's actually just his touch that does it. So when he first, you know, would grab them, they'd start screaming, they'd start fighting, more blood would get on them, you know. So he, he's he's figuring out how to do it. Um, we got to hug them demons away. So kind of what you're, the priest that's with him has been going around and doing these exorcisms, um, so he thought. But they're finding out that all the people that he, that all the demons that he cast out are still there. Like they go back to check up on the people. Um, like the demons are very good at pretending to be like normal people. Like they're weird, um, but they don't like, you know, run around like murdering children or, you know, doing that. They just kind of sit in the dark by themselves and are, they just want to live. They just really want to be, there's, there's a part where they say that, um, you know, one day, uh, in this world is better than an eternity where they're from, you know, so they, they enjoy this world, um, so they're they're kind of going around and going back to all these old exorcisms that the priest did, and he's learning how to how how it works, you know, grabbing them and using the water and the light and all those things. Um, that guy, um, kind of the guy with the white hair and the dark suit in the beginning and also at the end, um, that is I don't know if that's supposed to be like Satan or one of the possessed, um, but he's kind of following him and kind of manipulating what's going on. Like the guy in the beginning, he goes outside to talk to that uh, demon and then he comes back and sees the exorcism that's happening and tries to stop it and gets like thrown out the window uh, by his wife before the demon is expelled. So Outcast is it's really kind of a a brutal book. Um, It's very violent. Um, It's 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 it starts out being very hopeless um, because the guy's life has just been turned into a complete wreck and he's he's finding like a purpose um, but it's not getting him back the things that he wants back like it's not getting him his wife back or his children back or any of those things because there's you know <laughs> explaining that you know you they've all been possessed by demons and you're casting them out that's not going to get you your wife and family back so yeah it's it, it's kind of a, a sad book in that way that he's figuring these things out but it's not actually helping his life any and then the priest um you know is smart and knows some things but he you know the demons are smart enough to fool the priest into thinking that he's performed exorcisms correctly like when they when he found uh the main character and figured out that he could cast out demons with his touch um he took him along as like he goes around to check on the people who are possessed because he thinks that they are you know more likely to either kill themselves when they've kind of realized what they've done, but they might be more susceptible to being possessed again. And he brought the guy along with him um, on the ride along, um, and that went really bad. And that's where he grabbed you know touched the other person and they started screaming and they realized that those demons were still were still there. So this new arc, I think, is going to be them um, figuring out more about the the world, about what's happening. And there's also that scene at the end where the the 
devil uh, demon guy is sitting in the the room with the the kid. That to me is creepy. <laughs> it's super creepy. Um, where he says, "What is it? Uh, Don't cry, dear child. You're safe with me." And she does not look happy <laughs> at all to have this creepy man in her living room. So, did you guys uh, read Outcast? It sounds like Matt, you read it a little bit. Uh, well, I read this issue. I, I haven't gone back to read the other ones because time limited. Yes. Yeah, I only read this issue. I wasn't really familiar with it, so you kind of filled in some gaps. <laughs> yeah, I didn't here. really know what was going on. <laughs> I mean, I got the possession part, but I don't know the characters. Um, it's good though. It's very. It is very, uh, very graphic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> They've every time that they actually like basically encounter someone with the possession. Like, it's an ordeal for them to exercise the, the demon, to cast it out. Um, it's it's very violent. Um, and then they have, like, not only is there, like, physical violence, but the, the demon kind of, like, pleads with them, you know, and, like, preys on their sympathy. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see that in, like, movies like The Exorcist and stuff, too. But there's, like, that yeah. scene when the husband walks in and he's like, why? she's like, why are you letting them do this to me, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, and the, the, they will say some things that are pretty fucked up. Because, like, his whole life he's been surrounded by these demons, so they know a lot about him. Like, they know the buttons to push, you know? Mm-hmm. Have you been watching Ash vs. Evil Dead? I have. Yay! Did it make you think it of this? It seems like that, like, when her mom, uh, uh, what's yes. her face, his mom at the yeah. beginning, like, episode two or three, she's like, you've got to help me! I'm trying to fight it! Yeah. That's what yeah. I think mm-hmm. of. This, this made me think of that as well. Just because that—that's, I just watched like two episodes last night trying to catch up. You little bastards! <laughs> I love our meter. So yeah, that's I don't—I don't know show. if Outcast Thirteen is going to be easy to jump in on or not, or if you need to go back and read uh, the previous ones. But if you like story, if you like Robert Kirkman, um, or if you are interested in uh, a mystery that you really—you know—thirteen issues in. I understand very not nearly as much as I would like, which is a good thing. I think sometimes the reveal for a series can be kind of too long or too slow. And I think this one is pacing it just right that you learn a little bit each time, but the overall, like I'm learning how it works mechanically, you know, what he needs to do and how it works, but I don't understand why. So, you know, every, every issue you learn a little bit more, but you never get the complete picture. That's what I was going to ask you is the why it's happening. I don't know. Um, yeah. I don't know why he can do it. Because, um, like, as Matt said, like, is he... I mean, there's a lot of the, the title, right? Outcast. Like, he's been outcast yeah. from society. These demons have been outcast from hell. Is he somehow related to these demons? Is he, like, a fallen angel? Is he, I, I don't know why he can do these things. And he doesn't know either. Like, no one knows why he can do this. Like, we'll find out eventually, but... I don't know why. And Matt, you had another image book for us? Which is ironic. This week, we don't have image as our pick of the week. But I, Captain Let's Go Use DC or Dark Horse (laughs) or Marvel, I picked two image. And that's really weird. Uh, this week, my other pick was Jupiter's Circle, uh, Volume 2, Number 1, by Image Comics, written by Mark Miller, art by 
Wilfredo Torres. I need to go back and read these. Because once again, I found myself in a world that's already got something going on. <laughs> Even though it's the start of a new story. But there's obviously something going on. There's already been a couple of series on this already. Um, it's a... It's a seems and I know it's not going to be because it's Mike or Mark Miller um, but it seems to be your classic like Superman archetype character mm-hmm. um, but this one seems to be kind of and the more I think about it this sounds really familiar so I might have read the other side of this Jupiter's, like when it first came uh, out is it Jupiter's Circle or Jupiter's Legacy which is the first. Jupiter's Legacy was, I think, what was first. Yeah, Jupiter's Legacy is about their children who are horrible. And no, it's Circle. Uh, but I'll have to go back and read all of it. Um, no, but I remember was what they're talking about. They're basically talking about he, he like went away and then he came back and he had superpowers. Yeah, that, which, that was... Ju- can I get a letter like that? That was Jupiter's Circle Volume 1 where they went to the island. Yeah. Um, so... I think I might have read that one when it first came out, because that sounds familiar. Maybe it's just a cool idea, and I wish I'd read it. <laughs> now, this is the same guy who did Huck, which we read last week, correct? Yeah. Yes. Uh, Huck uh, wanted... Uh... He did... So, uh... they, is Huck and Jupiter part of the same world? I don't think so. No. Oh, okay. They advertised them both at the end of the book. He did... Um... What else did... He's done so many... He did uh, Starlight. Hit, he did... Hit... Uh, uh, what is the damn movie with Hit Girl oh. and yeah. Hit Girl and yeah. Beat Me Up Boy? <laughs> kick ass, uh, yeah, kick ass. Kick ass. Yeah, yeah. He did that. Yeah, um, he did the story that um, uh, the the shit the people who do the clothes Kingsman. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Based off of with that one. He if it's violent and uh, has something to say about comic books, he probably wrote it. Yeah, like, this is a total Silver Age book. Yes, this is... So, oh, and it's so fucking good. Did you... They've even got the trunks. Yeah. And he's talking to another guy in trunks with a mustache. You never fucking see that. Well, like, this book... So his first one with uh, Jupiter's legacy was... I always think of it as, like, the Kardashian children of superheroes. Like, they're all horrible, <laughs> self-centered drug addict, uh, you know, Paris Hilton party type characters. Um, so him and his, was it like him and his Lois Lane had kids or? Yes. Um, oh, okay. So, and then this one, he was saying that he misses kind of like the heroics in superheroes. So he wanted to show like a very silver age, you know, not a lot. Of, I mean, there are, there are dark, darker moments or more, it's like, oh, I really got to get out people being assholes to each other. But <laughs> one of them's going to be really good, and the other one's just going to fucking read books all the time. I feel really sorry for her. I don't know what I because I... she can't like make a connection with people. Yeah, I don't. I didn't read all of the Jupiter Circle. Like I read like that. I think maybe like the first two issues, um, and then I read a little bit of Jupiter's Legacy, but I didn't read all of it. So I don't know why she can't like why she can't make connections with people. But that, that's sad. <laughs> that's very sad. Yeah. Yeah, but this, this book was really neat. Very Silver Age, but modern. Um, I, I see where he's going. I find it ironic that he's trying to write that. 
Because when I think Silver Age or uh, goodness in comics and heroes, I don't think Mark Miller. But he's he's nailing it in this though. I mean, this. Feels... Oh, he knows it though. He know that's one of the things that pisses me off about the Wanted movie. He nailed that. It was so like, what happens if the Silver Age actually had assholes in it? Right. And they stopped playing the game because that's what the Silver Age was. It was basically like a big playdate between superheroes and supervillains. And their sandbox was the fucking universe. And they would just go screw stuff up because at the end of the day, it would just go back to being normal and everything is fine. Right. So Wanted, the actual Wanted, not that fucking movie. I liked the movie. The movie was good if you completely forget that it's based on this awesome, awesome comic. I saw the movie before I read the comic. Oh, I'm sorry. Actually, no, it's probably better no, it's this better way. that way. It's better that way. You've read the comic, though, right? I choose not to answer that question. You didn't read the comic? I love the movie so much that I don't... I have not gotten around to reading the comic. Okay. Because I'm worried that I know the book is always better, but I really like the movie, and I'm worried that... The book is so completely different, though. The movie... There's scenes in the movie that are in the comic, but the story is completely different. Well, I because basically Wesley, he's this like mix match of Slade Wilson and Deadpool and Deadshots, like take all three of those and put them into one character. He's that person's son, who grew up with his mom, who's like a mothering, like over like smothering mother. Right. Uh, so he grew up kind of what his dad feels is like weak and well, they, they use Mark Miller words in it, <laughs> which I'm not going to repeat because my daughters are right there. <laughs> um, uh, so oh, fart. <laughs> they, he basically gets his supervillain friends to try to make his son not such a wuss. Right. And they fucking seriously screw with his head. Yeah, I mean, that, but it's so good. That's why I think kind of shows ever since I really think since Starlight, uh, Mark Miller's stories have been much more like hopeful. Like Starlight was like basically uh, Flash Gordon, um, elderly Flash Gordon going back for like one last hurrah. So it was different. And then Huck is very different from that. Like I think he's turning a corner in his writing in what he does. But Which like, is really weird. Yeah, as far as like going for like the Silver Age, like man, this. Well, no, I don't know. Grant Morrison, he's always had kind of the hopefulness in there. Grant Morrison. He writes or... with whimsy. Yeah. Well, I'm talking about Mark Miller. I know, but they're both Scottish. <laughs> there is a lot of rain and bogs, but I think they can have <laughs> small moments of joy in Scotland. No, but they write very similar yeah. type stories, right? They both. Take, they're both deconstructionists. Yes. So they'll go and take and they'll they'll take apart comic books. And Warren Ellis did this too. Another Scotsman. <laughs> Scots. They just sit around all day and take comics apart and put them back together again. All awesome. Like <laughs> and grow amazing beards. Yes. Except Grant. <laughs> True. He has no beard. 
cue ball. No. Yeah. I don't, I don't yeah, no really hair. think we have any proof that he has any hair. <laughs> uh, he could have drawn on those eyebrows. Um, he's King Mob. Um, so, but they, they both they deconstruct classic American comic books, and then they put them back together again into fucking awesomeness. And, and and when you watch it, you're like, oh, yes, of course. It's like, I, I know these things. I've I've talked about these things forever, right? But I could never verbalize this. Right. So. Well, that's kind of, I mean, this is an unrelated thought, but, like, the idea, like, of poetry saying something you've always known to be true in a way you never could, you know? Mm. Like that's what makes a good story. Is it's it's telling you something you know to be true, you know, in a new way. But like just that that image of that city, like buried in the that uh, under the Jupiter moon. Jupiter's moon. That's awesome. That is a really cool drawing. He's like, uh, we need to get out of here. Yeah, we need to get the fuck out. Yeah, I, I'm just like, can we have so much more stuff in this world? Because I, I love and I've I, I literally it's it's a huge pet project that I've been working on and I'll probably be working on for the rest of my life. And if anybody wants to help me, I, I'm so completely good on that. I'm making a meta world so that you can write these kind of things into like a game. Like a, a meta role playing game. So would mm-hmm. you have like commentary powers on what's happening? Like No, like the world's malleable, so everything happens, right? Okay. So, like, pretty much take any sort of, like, <sighs> meta is a bad word then, because it doesn't describe itself. Um, it's like a, a role-playing game that I'm trying to make it so that any story that you want to tell, it's kind of like GURPS, but not GURPS. I was just thinking GURPS. Because I'm going to have, a, like, an app that runs all the rules so that you don't have to worry about doing rules or doing roles or anything like that. We have you basically, if you have an interaction with somebody, you basically, you pull up the app and it'll use GPS to see that you're next to each other and it'll keep track of everything. And then it'll keep all of your stuff logged and you can like role play online, kind of like on a social networky kind of thing. We have a, uh, a, it's not really a board game. It's a. This is a total tangent <laughs> into gaming, but <gasps> a tangent. Yeah, crazy, right? Um, we have this miniature war game um, called Gollum Arcana um, that does a lot of what you're talking about. It's really cool. You should check it out. Well, that's great, but I'm still writing my own. I'm just saying, like mechanically, what you're talking about of having all the rules done for you and locating oh, no, people but... next to you and being able to do. Like in okay. like Gollum Arcana, for example, you can have a miniature battle with your like little miniatures on the table and playing with somebody in like Idaho who has their stuff mm-hmm. set up and they're moving it on the map too, and on your screen their miniatures are moving around too. It's kinda cool. Yeah. Well my part of mine was so you could have it with like uh in kind of a LARP experience as well. But I wanted to have a world where you've got like you can have Cthulhu, and you can have so our like world. Conan, and then fantasy, and then move it forward a little bit, and you have superheroes, and Wild West, 
and into the future you'll have sci-fi and on other planets you'll have the same kind of archetypes you might have for like the Marvel or the DC and all that but it all exists in one place so that you can make any type of character you kind of wanted to so would these be your Silver Age characters or examples these of kind them? of characters would be kind of Silver Age archetypes yeah yeah yeah, I think that this one definitely, definitely nails um, Silver Age if you like that. And I, but there's also, I mean, there are there are modern elements to it, you know, like when she like drags a sailor back to her room, you know, or her hotel room, you know. I don't think you would see that in a Silver Age book, you know. That's the stuff they wanted to have in the Silver Age, but couldn't. Yes. Yeah. Um. The. I know I'm probably the only person here who's read Supreme, but Supreme was kind of like that, except not take a sailor back to the room. Except that last Supreme thing that they did, a little dark. What you know, um, when you were describing uh, the Silver Age um, with jerks in it, is it the Authority that I'm thinking of, or is it? Oh, there's another one that had basically the evil Fantastic Four. Uh, that's planetary. Planetary. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. That wasn't so much Silver Age, but that was kind of like the combined world, and that was a big bit of inspiration for what I'm thinking of, is a world where like all sorts of pop culture story type things all kind of meet together. Yeah. Uh, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, Planetary, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, Wold Newton. But I, I think... There's a reference. I think if you were to, like, how artists have, like different uh like periods of their their work i think with mark miller i really do think that um and i know i've mentioned starlight many many times because that is like a pivot point for his writing um it's where he starts getting good again i guess you might say and gets much more hopeful there is a silver lining yeah so if you haven't read starlight i'd I'd recommend checking it out it's on my list. Yep, yep. I'm sure. <laughs> the list gets longer and longer every time we do something because... Seriously. It's so we need bad. to stop having new episodes. It's so bad. It's yeah. so long. Like, you should read this. I'm like, great. Like, no! <laughs> Christina, you had a, a book? I, I have a book. Uh, my second pick was also Marvel, Angela, Queen of Hell, number two, written by Margaret Bennett. Art by Stephanie Hans. I I don't know if I'm the only one who likes this book. I, I I adore it. I love the the love really a love story between the two main characters, uh, Sarah and Angela. Um, I found it particularly humorous. All the music references in the book this time. There was a lot. There was the Alanis Morissette reference. The mm-hmm. yes. the uh, love is a battlefield. All that kind of stuff. I thought that was that was pretty fun. Um, this is the continue. This is the second part two. Uh, this is the second book in that series. This is where we Sarah is um, it, it already imprisoned in hell. Angela is trying to free her, um, and pretty much it seems the only way to free her is she actually has to challenge the Queen of Hell. Um, to I, I don't I don't know if that technically frees her or if that she just just gets to be with her forever. Uh, she strikes the deal, and. She now has a three trials she has to go through um, to to even challenge the the current queen of hell 
at battle. Um, her her first challenge is fear. Yeah, fear, and that beast. I don't. I I don't even know what that is. Is that? I don't even know. I don't even know. I couldn't explain. I'm like, it's got a bunch what? of skeletons. It's furry. It's got. Weird. It's kind of a werewolf-ish thing going on. What were those things that Thor talked about? Uh, you don't have such and such? Hellhounds? No. Would be hell. No. He had a word. In, nope. in which Thor? Yeah. yeah. I think it was in Avengers. I, I don't know. I'm sure there's some Norse mythology thing that this is. Yeah, I I don't know. I I was calling it man bear pig in my head just cuz that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's all I could come up with. Serial. <laughs> I will now forever call this man bear pig. Man bear pig of fear. Man bear pig of fear. Um so that that is her first challenge. Uh it it's really interesting cuz it 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 tries to attack her into all of like this is this is your worst fear, your <laughs> your fear of dying alone, and she's like, um, "Hello, I've already had this happen. I I am not afraid of this. Mm-hmm. What? Why should I be afraid of this? This happened already. I've lost. I lost Sarah. I you 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 got nothing on me, pretty much, basically. And then it was awesome. There's like super like outfit change. <laughs> oh, into the dark. Uh... Yes. I lo- oh yeah, I noticed it, and the artist changed too, wasn't it? I think it might. I think the artist did change it because the art definitely looks different. But I, I'm all, I, I like the outfit change. I thought that was cool. I, I love her costumes. I love what they've done with her costumes throughout, even in the the sixteen oh two. I and I like this one too. I love, I love the I love the armor. And I like the I like this one. It's dark. She looks more Norse. Kind of like a mummy. Oh yeah, with the wrapping. Mm, yeah. 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 I like the I like the change because the previous one is kind of like the image armor. Yeah. And it's 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 okay, but I I I like this. Um I thought I was like that's that's cool and she, you know, she basically said she's like, yeah, I'm, I I have that's the ears. switch. Um so I'm looking at it. So mm-hmm. you've got uh Kim Jacinto um, Yep. for main story and then Stephanie Hans for mm-hmm. sub story. So I think yeah. that is the switch of artists. Yeah. Because that is a bilge snipe. Because when they go back, you can tell it really looks. It looks. It looks like the sixteen oh two. I mean, that goes back to those books, and it has that look and feel to it. And then it changes to the new, the new artist. Um, so we, you know, she's she's basically that outfit change is actually her being accepted as a challenger. Yes, um, becoming more like the realm of hell. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So this is her her first change. Is that. Um, and then she gets, Sarah tells her, you know, what that was. It's a Draugr. It's the fear avatar. Um, so now it's, it's, you know, it's in you, it's in your power under your command. So that's kind of cool. Um, we don't see it. Uh, but she, in talking to Sarah, Sarah tells her about, you know, I've been here. I was alone. Um, but she found an ally, somebody in also in the prison of hell. Uh, and so we get introduced to, well, not introduced, but we get to see it's Leia of Hell, or Leia of Hell, is also now added to the storyline, which I did not who, know who she was, so I had to look her up. I didn't know who she was either. Did you look her up? No. 
Do you want to know who she is? I do very much. <laughs> so I didn't find a ton of her, but she is a creation of by Loki, is what I came to understand. I I thought her clothing looked she was very in Loki. New like. Avengers or Young Avengers, I think. And I didn't read that, so I was not familiar with her. But I oh my god, how do you I not read her. that? It was oh, good. Yes. We all have books we haven't read. Yes. Fuck. Young Avengers is so good. I know. Come on. I have, like, seriously, it's a disgusting and I think stuff. it's by, you like Karen Gillan, right? I mean, I think that's, I do. that's by I know. him, right? Yeah. That's... Well, one of them. There's, like, five Young Avengers series. Yeah. It ain't easy. But, yes, that <laughs> I know. That is one of the ones, and I hear everyone talk about it over and over and over and over and over again. Oh, you'd love that book. Yes. I know. Do you know how many would... books I have? <laughs> It's there's a lot out and it's all not all good, but yeah, there's high quality out there. So it's really hard to pick and choose. Yeah, there's a lot. But so that. Well, say I like on the one panel where it says, if you don't know what we're talking about, go back to issue blah, blah, blah. Number six. of. They do that in several books, which I I, I really like. So classic. That's back to the old Marvel. Yeah, they did that in 27 or whatever. They did that in Moon Girl too. For du- for Double Dinosaur, there was another. I really hope. But no, that's not just a shtick. But it is helpful in a way. Oh, and Howard the Duck—they do it all the time. All the time. Yeah. Classic Marvel. Yep. <laughs> was it Howard all the, the Duck? Time. Only our second number one in you know yeah. a year. Yeah. <laughs> I do like that. Uh, that. Yeah, that was fantastic. <laughs> Thank God we didn't reboot the whole. Fucking universe. <laughs> I do like that one panel of um, Angela um, and Sarah um, where it's like they're like hugging. It's like you're invulnerable, I'm not. Oh, that one. Did you? I like the one where it's her feet are cold and so she puts them between the other feet. Yep. The, the book that, was is, the pa- that was the panel. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say the book has a lot of it's got action. I mean, you've got people in swords attacking man bear pigs of fear, but you've got moments. It's a bilge snipe. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not kidding. I looked up what a bilge snipe is, and that's a bilge snipe. That doesn't sound nearly as intimidating as man bear pig of fear. No. I'll give you that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's got, you know, it's got action. It's got kind of this, like, humorous, like, meta commentary. It's got moment you know tender moments i mean it's yeah it hits a lot of a lot of good points i like the beginning where where sarah's like the narrator and kind of like i'm going to catch you up as what's been happening and she tells it to you like some somebody would actually be telling it to you instead of like reading a story about here's your here's what you've been missing yes i love that love is a battlefield part (laughs) that was (laughs) (laughs) so good stuff Good yep, stuff. I, I think that's all of our all of our books. That uh, seems like <gasps> breaking news. This just in. Vader down. I repeat, Vader down. For details on this developing story, we go to reporter in a galaxy far, far away. That's me, Star Wars Darth Vader number thirteen, Marvel Comics, written by Karen Gillan and art by Salvador La Roca. So this picks up where Vader down took off. Um, yeah, so Vader are surrounded. 
we all were looking really good, looking forward to what was going to happen. And I don't, I'd like to say we weren't disappointed. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> ass kicking. Ass kicking is what happened. <laughs> it, it lives up to Vader. I was so, so proud. I was like cheering, like, yes. Like, you, you know, this utter destruction and chaos. And I loved I, it. It was just calm and smooth. I love <laughs> Vader's use of the Force. Yeah, um, like we've seen him, like where he pulls the pins out of all the grenades. Uh, with uh, the that's a thermal nuclear detonator. Uh, whatever <laughs> it is, whatever, yes. whatever it's a grenade. <laughs> that was really cool. Uh, we also saw him like in previous issues where he's just like pulling ships out of the sky with the force. Mm-hmm. Like he is a master of the force. <laughs> yes. Well, it's like thinking outside of the box. He knows how to what he has at his disposal and how he can use it to manipulate the situation. That's not what they would expect. You, uh, yes. well, he, he's like turning like he reminds me of like force judo, you know, or jujitsu. Like <laughs> force judo. Well, he's taking their strengths and making them yep. into their weaknesses, you know. Which I like think he, is a, an ideal of the dark side, you know. Like he's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna stand down. Kaboom! Yeah. <laughs> oh, you got me. No, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> I just feel every time you I guys. see a group of people who are like, we're gonna go kick Vader's ass. He's no. one guy, and we're a whole rebel base. I'm like, fun with you that. poor stupid bastards. <laughs> and then like when they're looking at the Tie Fire, they're like, oh. The weapons array is missing. I'm like, oh dear. Oh, <laughs> you know what's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. No. And then not again. I think I thought it was a little confusing was Leia's attitude towards search versus Han's attitude for the search. Like, especially like when you think about like in Empire when she's like, look, look at this trap, and being all like emotional and not really thinking straight, and like for him to just be like, no, nah, we don't have anything to spare. It's like what? <laughs> Maybe this is her learning a lesson. Well, this is right after Star Wars. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So yeah. Empire hasn't happened, so it seems like it's a weird kind of jump or you know move for that character. I think this is showing you more of her as like the idea of being like a commander. You know, I think that's what they're trying to to convey, but it just I don't feel like she really had that then. So she just watched Alderaan get destroyed. <laughs> She, yeah, seriously, and then did a horrible mini series. Yeah, yes. she had to suffer totally. through that. That <laughs> just equally exactly. as terrible She's as the destruction of all. She's a little drained. Yeah, she's just on edge. That's all. But then you know the Han bromance continues. She's verklempt. I actually, when I was reading this, thinking about Leia, that they may be trying to prepare you for Leia and Force Awakens being more like a mon, not sucky. A kind general. Of, General, yeah, you know. the general, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I kind of had that feeling too, but this to me, I was just like, that doesn't seem, you know, like there yet. But I thought, thought that's what they were trying to go for. And then, um, and then we go to our favorite killer droids. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh my god, it's when she's like, oh Han Solo, oh me, oh my. I'm like, you said it, girl. High five. <laughs> I was like. That's my girl. <laughs> but my, so yes, I I had to take a picture of that panel because yeah, you know, I was like, that's exactly what you think when you see Han. <laughs> You're like, you goddamn right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you you feel me, girl. And so, um, but the one thing my question is: so why does he look so gold? Because he looks all silver in a lot of the other panels that we've seen in Vader. Uh, 
What? Because they I, disguised him to yeah. To, to... Did they show that happening? Because I'm like, I figured that's no. what it was. They were disguising him, but I'm like, well, she's she's holding up something that to me looks like maybe like space spray paint. I don't know what it is. Where she's like, space spray paint. spray paint. It looks like a thing like maybe you would like check your ear with, but since she says yeah. come here, yeah. and the next it's panel. probably it's a spray it's a spray paint gun. It's kind okay. of what it looks like. Yeah. Okay, because that's what I was I'm like, I think I mean I knew that's what had to have had to have yeah. happened. But I'm like, she just happened to have it sitting around. Well, and, and it's gold and gold paint, like just because. Yeah. When, when R two right. sees him, that R two is not fooled for a second. Oh <laughs> hell no! He's like, no. Yeah, he's yeah all... and you can see like they do a really good homage there, Wait, like no. where R two starts like rocking back and forth, like you uh-huh. can see him just flipping out in the panel you know? so he's agitated yes. the beats the beats go from yellow to red red alert yes <laughs> <laughs> then he gets the hug yeah, <laughs> like, uh, uh, listen to r2 he knows what's up like yeah. he's helped you yeah I, I, like i said last time he's the smartest character in the star wars universe exactly listen to that little droid well he's got the most amount of history yeah true true oh except maybe yoda uh, but you know, just, dead. you know, not here yet. Yeah, but yeah. But yeah. I, <laughs> sorry, go ahead. I really, I really like this issue with uh, with Darth Vader just being a total badass and being very creative in his powers, you know, and how he uses them. You know that he's not just—I mean, he's a physical menace and a great fighter pilot and stuff—but he's just. So creative and a, a complete master of the force in the way that he uses it, beyond you know ways that we've seen it used before. Without badass, like of the it's force. not yeah. like they invented new ways for him to do th- like new powers that he has. Like you can't suddenly, mm-hmm. I don't know, summon animals or something like that. But mm-hmm. he can use his powers in new ways that don't seem like a stretch. You know. It seems authentically Vader, and really, like I said before, I know I've said this before, and we've talked about the Vader issues, that it takes the Hayden Christensen flavor out of your mouth. Like, it makes you like, this is Vader. Yes. Though I did have a question. At one point, they mentioned Skywalker going up against Boba Fett, and I drew a blank. Where did that happen? Because I thought... That that was in Star Wars. I don't remember which issue, but it's basically... But, like, he got blinded, so he didn't know he was fighting Boba Fett. Okay. Yeah, he didn't see him, so he has no idea that he's ever encountered Boba Fett. Okay, because I was like, like, I know that had to have happened in one of these previous issues, and I was just drawing a yeah. blank, and I'm like, I'm going to ask. I think it was pretty early in Star Wars. It was. It was like maybe yeah, like the before... third issue. It yeah, was, it was, it was say, early on. Three or four. Something. I, I want to say it's more like five. It's, uh, he went to, because the first like four issues were all that heist. Mm. And then he goes to Tatooine, and he gets the book, and then he goes looking for more, and then that's how he gets caught into that. Yeah, because it's like it's like Ben's house planet. that they go to. Yeah. yeah, 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 But that's that's where that's from. Okay, thanks. Cool. And him being blinded, of course, is not really a disadvantage for him because he uses the force. With the blast shield so. down, how am I supposed yeah. to fight? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> With the blast shield down, how am I supposed to see anything? <laughs> How yes, much is Tatashi Station? Yeah, that was really good. <laughs> Murders. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, yeah, you're right I... about getting rid of uh, hearing Hayden Christensen when I see Darth Vader. 
Like there's that there's a panel. Look, he's a badass. Where he's like, uh, what is it? Uh, Lower your weapons, you will not be harmed. Just the way they have his yeah. head, uh, like up. tilted. I'm like, it just seems to me like you fucking idiots, you're all going to die. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, I, oh, I love that. Part. Like I have such contempt for you, and like you're already. I can't believe you fell for that yes, one. Look behind you. <laughs> it's the oldest trick in the book. Look, now I'm taking your thermal detonators and blowing them up. In the book, it does call them grenades. Ah, oh, okay. But we right. know what they are. Yes. Don't flies. They could be plasma grenades. Yep. Oh. But yeah, it's it's a really and I was I was wondering how they were going to do because it's like a crossover book between Star Wars and Vader. So some pages are much more Star Wars, some are much more Vader, and we're going to get that for the whole like Vader down series. I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah. We're gonna probably are we gonna get a Star Wars week every or a Star Wars book every week? Star Wars or I think Vader? we've dispatched a special reporter <laughs> to <laughs> a galaxy far, far away <laughs> to report back <laughs> on the Vader down goings on as they develop. Excellent. Excellent. Vader down. Yes. I feel like we'll be here for the entire uh, thing. Yes. I feel like this <laughs> this conflict has has, you know, great ramifications for the galaxy, so Merchandising people, I need some killer murder droid action figures. Thanks. Oh my god, I want those. Let's oh. go get a C3PO and Earth D2 and repaint them. Oh, oh my god. god. Custom, custom. Custom, oh yeah. Yep. They are good little murder bots. <laughs> murder did kill. Uh, see, that was one thing that got me wondering. Um, when Triple Um when they added him into the series, because there's that one asshole droid on Bespin. Oh, the one that works for the Empire? Who's like a yeah, raid? not the same one. Yeah. They should have made it the same one. But then you would have to, yeah, I guess. No. I'm totally happy they with this new creation. Cool. Yeah. I'm happy yeah. with him too, but I would like them to kind of retcon the story back so that that was triple zero. Like, Maybe. Oh, how rude. Maybe. Isn't I triple mean, we... zero is a female bot. Is, don't they even say that triple zero is female? As a her? Yeah, I think they refer to it as a her. I didn't pick that up. But I'm not. And I also do like the part where they uh, talk about uh, how, like, the R2 and, you know, has, like, betrayed the robots to the the flesh uh, uh, beings, you know? That I've, I've always wondered about that, that, about that, about the droids in the Star Wars universe, like how they feel about, you know, humans. So I thought mm-hmm. that was an interesting little line in the end. Yeah. Definitely. Yep. All right. So those were the books we read this week. To read our reviews, check out our weekly poll list. And other nerd shenanigans, go check out fourcolornerds.com. You can find the podcast on iTunes, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, and on Podcast Addict. Make sure to, to subscribe to the podcast and be sure to come back next week for another episode. Until then, keep reading, nerds. <laughs>